Hi, I'm Eric, and this is Listen to Sleep. Back to the land of fairy tales this week with another story by Yei Theodora Osaki, The Bamboo Cutter and the Moon Child. It's a great story about the life of Princess Moonlight after she is found in the bamboo forest by an old bamboo cutter. And it gets really out there. I'm reading part one this week and part two next week. If you want to read the story yourself and find out how it ends, it's available online for free, like most of the stories on the show. Check the show notes for the episode at www.listentosleep.com for a link to download it. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider showing your support by subscribing to it and writing a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It really helps get the word out so other people can find the podcast, too. Thanks again for all your support. And now, part one of The Bamboo Cutter and the Moon Child by Yei Theodora Osaki. Long, long ago, there lived an old bamboo woodcutter. He was very poor and sad also for no child had heaven sent to cheer his old age. And in his heart there was no hope of rest from work till he died and was laid in the quiet grave. Every morning he went forth into the woods and hills wherever the bamboo reared its lithe green plumes against the sky. When he had made his choice, he would cut down these feathers of the forest and splitting them lengthwise, or cutting them into joints, would carry the bamboo wood home and make it into various articles for the household. And he and his old wife gained a small livelihood by selling them. One morning, as usual, he had gone out to his work, and having found a nice clump of bamboos, had set to work to cut some of them down. Suddenly, the green grove of bamboos was flooded with a bright, soft light, as if the full moon had risen over the spot. Looking round in astonishment, he saw that the brilliance was streaming from one bamboo. The old man, full of wonder, dropped his axe and went toward the light. On nearer approach, he saw that this soft splendor came from a hollow in the green bamboo stem, and still more wonderful to behold, in the midst of the brilliance, stood a tiny human being, only three inches in height and exquisitely beautiful in appearance. You must be sent to be my child, for I find you here among the bamboos where lies my daily work, said the old man. And taking the little creature in his hand, he took it home to his wife to bring up. The tiny girl was so exceedingly beautiful and so small that the old woman put her into a basket to safeguard her from the least possibility of being hurt in any way. The old couple were now very happy, for it had been a lifelong regret that they had had no children of their own. And with joy, they now expended all the love of their old age on the little child who had come to them in so marvelous a manner. From this time on, 
The old man found gold in the notches of the bamboos when he hewed them down and cut them up. Not only gold, but precious stones also. So that by degrees, he became rich. He built himself a fine house and was no longer known as the poor bamboo woodcutter, but as a wealthy man. Three months passed quickly away, and in that time, the bamboo child had, wonderful to say, become a full-grown girl. So her foster parents did up her hair and dressed her in beautiful kimonos. She was of such wondrous beauty that they placed her behind the screens like a princess and allowed no one to see her, waiting upon her themselves. It seemed as if she were made of light, for the house was filled with a soft shining, so that even in the dark of night it was like daytime. Her presence seemed to have a benign influence on those there. Whenever the old man felt sad, he had only to look upon his foster daughter, and his sorrow vanished, and he became as happy as when he was a youth. At last the day came for the naming of their newfound child. So the old couple called in a celebrated name-giver, and he gave her the name of Princess Moonlight, because her body gave forth so much soft, bright light that she might have been a daughter of the moon god. For three days the festival was kept up with song and dance and music. All the friends and relations of the old couple were present, and great was their enjoyment of the festivities held to celebrate the naming of Princess Moonlight. Everyone who saw her declared that there never had been any one so lovely. All the beauties throughout the length and breadth of the land would grow pale beside her, so they said. The fame of the princess's loveliness spread far and wide, and many were the suitors who desired to win her hand, or even so much as to see her. Suitors from far and near posted themselves outside the house and made little holes in the fence in the hope of catching a glimpse of the princess as she went from one room to the other along the veranda. They stayed there day and night, sacrificing even their sleep for a chance of seeing her, but all in vain. Then they approached the house and tried to speak to the old man and his wife or some of the servants, but not even this was granted them. Still, in spite of all this disappointment, they stayed on day after day and night after night, and counted it as nothing, so great was their desire to see the princess. At last, however, most of the men, seeing how hopeless their quest was, lost heart and hope both, and returned to their homes. All except five knights whose ardor and determination, instead of waning, seemed to wax greater with obstacles. These five men even went without their meals and took snatches of whatever they could get brought to them so that they might always stand outside the dwelling. They stood there in all weathers, in sunshine and in rain. Sometimes they wrote letters to the princess, 
but no answer was vouchsafed to them. Then, when letters failed to draw any reply, they wrote poems to her, telling her of the hopeless love which kept them from sleep, from food, from rest, and even from their homes. Still, Princess Moonlight gave no sign of having received their verses. In this hopeless state, the winter passed. The snow and frost and the cold winds gradually gave place to the gentle warmth of spring. Then the summer came, and the sun burned white and scorching in the heavens above and on the earth beneath, and still these faithful knights kept watch and waited. At the end of these long months, they called out to the old bamboo cutter and entreated him to have some mercy upon them and to show them the princess. But he answered that as he was not her real father, he could not insist on her obeying him against her wishes. The five knights, on receiving this stern answer, returned to their homes and pondered over the best means of touching the proud princess's heart, even so much as to grant them a hearing. They took their rosaries in hand and knelt before their household shrines and burned precious incense, praying to Buddha to give them their heart's desire. Thus several days passed, but even so they could not rest in their homes. So again they set out for the bamboo cutter's house. This time the old man came out to see them, and they asked him to let them know if it was the princess's resolution never to see any man whatsoever, and they implored him to speak for them and to tell her the greatness of their love, and how long they had waited through the cold of winter and the heat of summer, sleepless and roofless through all the weathers, without food and without rest, in the ardent hope of winning her, and they were willing to consider this long vigil as pleasure if she would give them but one chance of pleading their cause with her. The old man lent a willing ear to their tale of love, for in his inmost heart he felt sorry for these faithful suitors and would have liked to see his lovely foster daughter married to one of them. So he went into Princess Moonlight and said reverently, Although you have always seemed to me to be a heavenly being, yet I have had the trouble of bringing you up as my own child, and you have been glad of the protection of my roof. Will you refuse to do as I wish? Then Princess Moonlight replied that there was nothing she would not do for him, that she honored and loved him as her own father, and that as for herself, she could not remember the time before she came to earth. The old man listened with great joy as she spoke these dutiful words. Then he told her how anxious he was to see her safely and happily married before he died. I am an old man, over seventy years of age, and my end may come any time now. It is necessary and right that you should see these five suitors and choose one of them. Oh, why, said the princess in distress, must I do this? I have no wish to marry now. 
I found you, answered the old man, many years ago, when you were a little creature three inches high, in the midst of a great white light. The light streamed from the bamboo in which you were hid and led me to you. So I have always thought that you were more than mortal woman. While I am alive, it is right for you to remain as you are if you wish to do so. But some day I shall cease to be, and who will take care of you then? Therefore, I pray you to meet these five brave men, one at a time, and make up your mind to marry one of them. Then the princess answered that she felt sure that she was not as beautiful as perhaps report made her out to be, and that even if she consented to marry any one of them, not really knowing her before, his heart might change afterwards. So as she did not feel sure of them, even though her father told her they were worthy knights, she did not feel it wise to see them. All you say is very reasonable, said the old man. But what kind of men will you consent to see? I do not call these five men who have waited on you for months light-hearted. They have stood outside this house through the winter and the summer, often denying themselves food and sleep so that they may win you. What more can you demand? Then Princess Moonlight said, she must make further trial of their love before she would grant their request to interview her. The five warriors were to prove their love by each bringing her from distant countries something that she desired to possess. That same evening, the suitors arrived and began to play their flutes in turn and to sing their self-composed songs telling of their great and tireless love. The bamboo cutter went out to them and offered them his sympathy for all they had endured and all the patience they had shown in their desire to win his foster daughter. Then he gave them her message, that she would consent to marry whosoever was successful in bringing her what she wanted. This was to test them. The five all accepted the trial and thought it an excellent plan for it would prevent jealousy between them. Princess Moonlight then sent word to the first knight that she requested him to bring her the stone bowl which had belonged to Buddha in India. The second knight was asked to go to the mountain of Horai, said to be situated in the eastern sea, and to bring her a branch of the wonderful tree that grew on its summit. The roots of this tree were of silver, the trunk of gold, and the branches bore as fruit white jewels. The third knight was told to go to China and search for the fire rat and to bring her its skin. The fourth knight was told to search for the dragon that carried on its head the stone radiating five colors and to bring the stone to her. The fifth night was to find the swallow which carried a shell in its stomach and to bring the shell to her. The old man thought these very hard tasks and hesitated to carry the messages. 
but the princess would make no other conditions. So her commands were issued word for word to the five men, who, when they heard what was required of them, were all disheartened and disgusted at what seemed to them the impossibility of the tasks given them, and returned to their own homes in despair. But after a time, when they thought of the princess, the love in their hearts revived for her, and they resolved to make an attempt to get what she desired of them. The first knight sent word to the princess that he was starting out that day on the quest of the Buddha's bowl, and he hoped soon to bring it to her. But he had not the courage to go all the way to India, for in those days traveling was very difficult and full of danger. So he went to one of the temples in Kyoto and took a stone bowl from the altar there, paying the priest a large sum of money for it. He then wrapped it in cloth of gold and, waiting quietly for three years, returned and carried it to the old man. Princess Moonlight wondered that the knight should have returned so soon. She took the bowl from its gold wrapping, expecting it to make the room full of light, but it did not shine at all. So she knew that it was a sham thing and not the true bowl of Buddha. She returned it at once and refused to see him. The knight threw the bowl away and returned to his home in despair. He gave up now all hopes of ever winning the princess.